Good afternoon. And this afternoon, we, of course, welcome our guests and our visitors. And you know, uh, we are nearing with the covering of the of the statues, in purple, and, and uh, we are nearing the great time of Holy Week, when we'll enter in with the sufferings of our Lord. We'll walk with Him, and then uh, with the grace grace of our Lord, with His love for each one of us, uh, we will experience the resurrection. And so during this this week. Um, it's time, you know, perhaps to read our scriptures over and over and over. And I would suggest that you take the passion accounts at the end of each gospel and read them. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll find very much the same. And John, you'll find a bit different. But in all accounts, you will see the love of Jesus for each one of us. You know, listen to his beautiful words, you know, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And, uh, and his anguish of heart, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his loneliness in the garden. You know, a time when you think uh, they would console him and strengthen him. And he was left alone. So read those passages. Pray to the Holy Spirit before each one. You might do one a day, you know. However you'd like to do it. Think about it. Let Christ be in your life. And be in his life. Enter into his life. And then at the end of it, pray to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will direct you and guide you to know more of the love of Jesus for you and, above all, the love that you ought to have and we ought to have, all of us, for him. Now, in our first reading, uh, we have the new creation promise. You know, the prophet says, leave the past alone, and now there's the future, and the, uh, the deserts will be filled with water, and the wastelands with rivers. That, that kind of language for people living in a desert meant an abundance of life, that life would come back. And then in St. Paul, we read rather difficult words in the second reading. I, uh, want to know Christ. I wish to know Christ and the power flowing from his resurrection. Likewise, to know how to share in his sufferings by being formed in the pattern of his death. 
And then Paul goes on, he says, I haven't reached it yet. I'm striving. And in that little passage, it tells us something, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That when the Lord, the, the Logos, the second person of the Trinity, took this human nature completely, made one with us, our passions, our emotions, our feelings, the life we'd live, he became one with us. He transformed us. We are a new creation. But we're on a journey. A journey to put on the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the life of Christ, to live Christ in this world. That's our vocation. But more than that, the resurrection beginning now, this transformation beginning now, will find its completion in the kingdom of God. Where I have not here seen or ear heard what God has prepared for the heart of man. We're on a journey, and we are a destined people. We are changed. Or new, we are a new creation. And yet, we struggle. We struggle with ourselves. Now, Lent is a time that we ought to be honest about ourselves, about our relationships, about how we stand before God. It's not an easy time, Lent, but it's a grace-filled time. It's a call to conversion. And most of us, or many of us, I have to include myself, many of our Lenten resolutions maybe went out the window. Or the season of Lent, we've seen how weak we are and we just can't do it, can't seem to do it. And yet, we're called. In fact, for many of us, maybe at the end of Lent, all we'll know is our weakness. Maybe that's all that will be taught us the end of Lent. But that's a great grace. That's a sign of God's love for us. It's a call to sanctity. And a reminder that we can't do it ourselves, that we need him. Only he can change us. Only he can complete this new creation, this life in Christ. Only he can do that for us. We can't do it ourselves. Now, most of us are called to do big things. But we are called, all of us, to somehow, in this journey, to be more like Christ. Now, 
There's two virtues I'd like to mention that maybe we could this coming week grow in a little bit. The first virtue is patience. The virtue of patience. You know, when you use the virtue of patience, there's always a tendency to say, I try to be patient with that other person. Isn't that true? I try to be more patient with my wife, with my children, with my husband. I have to be more patient with the fellow I work with or more patient with the schedule or whatever it might be. We always point out that way. But patience begins with us. The virtue to be patient with ourselves. where we find ourselves, who we are, and what we are. And that's different places in our life. You know, when you get old like myself, there are strange pains that can occur unexpectedly in the morning that you never had before, you know. I don't know where that thing from. Or your eyes get a little dimmer, or you can't hear as well. Those are wonderful opportunities to love God. That be to accept that, to be patient with yourself with that, is a beautiful way of fulfilling the Lenten journey. Or to be, as an example, if you're a father of a family. To look at the priorities. And being patient with the children means giving them more time. Or more time to your wife. That would be a wonderful Lenten journey. It would be very pleasing to the Lord. Or perhaps in your profession, your occupation, there's some individual that that's difficult, or problems are difficult, or their economic problems are difficult, or whatever it might be, to accept them patiently. That if God's plan to give you, myself, an opportunity to love him. It's a great mortification and a great penance. So, Maybe that virtue of patience. And then secondly, fortitude. To know we can't do it by ourselves. That we need God's love and strength. We have to pray for that. We can't do it. You can make all, we can make all the resolutions we want, but we need God's help. And how do we acquire this virtue of fortitude? We pray for it, but here's a strange thing. 
we have to stop thinking about ourselves. Stop thinking about ourselves and begin to think of the needs, the sufferings, the concern of others. And then fortitude will be given us, the strength to go on. Now, I'd like to offer a little spiritual exercise. Maybe this week you might want to try it. The purpose of the exercise is to put Christ in your life, in the very essence of your being. This week, do not talk about yourself. Do not talk about yourself. This week, stop thinking about yourself. This week, stop referring to yourself. A little exercise. You'll fail. Don't worry about that. The minute you start it, about five minutes later, you'll fall right on your face. What's the purpose? To see how selfish and self-centered we are that Christ can't enter. We're so full of self. And we're so doubtful of the love of Jesus. So, do not speak about yourself. Do not think about yourself. Do not refer to yourself. Try it. Now, one last thought that you might think about. This woman taken in adultery. You know, uh, St. Augustine said only two were left misery and mercy. Last week we talked about the, 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 the loving father, didn't we? And those two sons, difficult people. And here this woman said, the good thief on the cross, that Samaritan woman by the well, that paralytic, that blind man, the possessed, that's us. But we have the mercy and the love of God. So do not think about yourself. Do not talk about yourself. Do not refer to yourself. Try it. God bless you.